Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into The Irishman in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. There are going to be two episodes today. Uh, the first is this one, The Irishman Review. Uh, in case you can't tell, a little bit of a cold sickness that I'm almost overcoming, of almost over with, but uh, it hit me last Thursday night, Friday-ish, and that's why, part of the reason why the episode from last Friday was delayed, and ultimately why it was not recorded Saturday or Sunday. So we're gonna gonna work through this and see if I can I can pull this off. Uh, this was not going to be the episode for Friday. That'll be the other episode that I released today, and uh, you can hear more about that at the end of this episode, or just listen to it since it's probably available or will be available very very soon. But today we're going to talk about the Irishman. I don't have any plans to go into spoilers. Uh, for this for this movie so no worries there it's on netflix now uh, i think it was in like a couple of theaters before that but it's on netflix everyone almost everyone is capable of finding it and tracking it down and seeing it now the irishman stars martin uh star directed by martin scorsese starring robert de niro al pacino joe pesci and many 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 others is you know, if, if this year didn't also have Avengers Endgame and, and uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, it might be the, the film that had the most, the, the heaviest expectations laid on its shoulders. You know, uh, Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Pesci. This is a, a huge, huge team-up movie for the four of them. You know, this is, you know, some of the best crime actors involved with arguably the best crime director of all time best possibly best director of all time and uh honestly the only thing that really trumps that and as far as expectation goes are are insane fandoms uh, awaiting the wrap-up of either a nine or in avengers case what 20 film franchise at the point that endgame came out so expectations you know, and, and even just putting Irishman in the same conversation as those two films, as far as expectations are, are concerned, really goes to show just what many people were, were hoping for. And so with news that, you know, news came out, you know, casting news for the Irishman and the Netflix, oh, it's being released by Netflix, like all these little things, little bits of information started being released, you know, over the past year or so that you know, kind of swayed expectations one way or the other. You know, can it really contend for every single Oscar imaginable if it's being released by Netflix? Is it going to be the big hit that it was? You know, does it being a Netflix film, did that impact how long the movie ended up being? Because if you can watch it from the comfort of your couch, it doesn't need to be, you know, a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour movie. Not that that's necessarily true, but the pressure, there's less pressure you know, you're not stuck in a movie theater for three three and a half hours watching this. You're at home. You can pause it. You can 
you know, go make dinner and come back and finish. You know, you can treat it like a mini series if you really want to. And then the whole de-aging process, uh, you know, the movie transpires over a long period of time. And uh, De Niro in particular is, is aged many different directions uh, and put into many different time periods. You know, there was skepticism over whether that could work. You know, we've seen, we'd seen that in the past and it's not always fluid. Uh, you know, Captain Marvel did it with Samuel Jackson earlier this year. And for the most part, I thought that was really well done. There are some, though, in the action scenes for Samuel Jackson, you know, you could tell this was an old guy throwing these punches, not a young guy uh, as he is portrayed in the film. And so there were questions about that, you know, if they're good, uh, and, you know, of course it's Scorsese, so why wouldn't they be? The effects could absolutely be nominated for a best visual effects if, if they're seamless, if they're, you know, worthwhile, if they, if, they, if they are functional, if they're effective. And so all of this stuff, you know, just kept piling on and piling on and piling on. And me personally... As much as I, I absolutely respect De Niro and ever, all the films that he's made, or as much as I absolutely respect Scorsese and all the films that he's made, and he's made some absolute incredible movies, uh, my favorite of which is uh, Taxi Driver, and he did that with De Niro. You know, so anytime the two of those guys team up, it's 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 worth watching. And you know, even even now, Scorsese is my third highest ranked director on my spreadsheet. Uh, you know, he's he's got one movie that I don't have, you know, that's below a 50, and it's Kundun, not really one of his better-known movies. So I'm I'm really, I was, I was looking forward to it, but unlike maybe some other cinephiles and, you know, some other people I've heard and listened to uh, talk about the film, it wasn't something I, I needed. Uh, you know, I'm not you know, clamoring and, and racing out the door to buy tickets to something to Scorsese's The Irishman, I'm just looking forward to it, you know, in as generic a way I can say that phrase. So, so it comes out on Netflix on Friday, last Friday. Uh, we watched it Saturday evening. I wasn't it wasn't even a guarantee that we would be watching it all the way through in one sitting. Uh, we ended up doing that, uh, which that'll be the, the, that's the first thing. The length is hardly, if there's any issues with this film, the length I don't think is one of them. Uh, sure. There are places where, you know, I was tempted to kind of zone out a bit, but between Scorsese's direction and, and the wonderful performances on display, it's very difficult to, kind of be bored uh, by by what's happening um you know pesci is great and pacino is great nero they're all great and and all the various supporting cast members that uh, you know weave in and out of the story there's enough going on to keep your attention and i don't think the three and a half hour runtime is a as a negative inherently and i don't think that it's a negative in the case of the irishman it what I think it more served to do is highlight the perhaps biggest issue I had with the film. And uh, there were two main issues that I had. Uh, the first is the supporting cast is 
underutilized. And it's not a huge complaint. I think it's tough. On the one hand, you know, three and a half hour movie, there's plenty of time to entertain as many members of the sporting cast as you want. But on the other hand, you're following Pesci, De Niro, and Pacino, and they are giving great performances well in, you know, well beyond uh, the, t- you know, most actors, you know, golden age uh, of their careers. And it's really something quite, quite wonderful. And so seeing them, uh, you know, it, it's no wonder that Scorsese points the camera in their direction so much. And, and as much as we see, you know, Bobby Cannavale and Ray Romano, Stephen Graham, Harvey Cattell, Anna Paquin, as much as these other people are in the movie, they're, they're so, so far beneath these three in terms of screen time and, and importance to the story. Uh, so it's a minor thing. It's, it's not a big thing, but it's, it's the big thing, though, which is, I believe, showcased and, and kind of spotlit by the length of the film is that these main three actors there's there's a uh, there's a very noticeable lack of fire in their performances and i don't think it has anything to do with their age or the you know or or them specifically it's you know you watch you know pesci is kind of playing against type he's very muted he's very reserved he's he's very withheld uh, in in his performance as um, <clears throat> as as Ruffle Buff- Russell Buffalino, you know Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa uh, is is easily the most animated of the three, and even he you know he's definitely a couple of steps down from some of his more you know over the top performances. And I didn't I don't want him to be over the top here, but you know you could you could feel this sort of. Um, softened aspect to the movie and maybe that's not the right term either but it's a long movie and i felt like the the you know if, if you're charting a a sort of emotional crest waves throughout uh on a on a, uh, on a chart the film isn't quite as up and down as i think it could have been and i, I think that hurts it you know it's a little too static and and straight of a line to be drawn you know De Niro is absolutely playing this emotional role this emotional character but you know he doesn't have any of these any big emotional scenes he doesn't get overly excited he doesn't get overly dramatic he doesn't get overly upset or happy or angry or sad and the same is true with Pesci you know he doesn't do that either and what little of that we do get from Pacino's Hoffa is, is very minimal and so, for me, anytime Stephen Graham's character, who plays um, Tony Pro in the film, anytime he was on screen, it just it felt like a, the the movie just got this huge burst of color, and it really made me see you know the more the film you know longer the film was, the more it stretched out, the more. Uh, the, the the more sparse his his appearances were really made me see just how much I was missing those moments because I think we only get two scenes like that from Stephen Graham and in a three and a half hour movie that's uh, you know it, it's a very very small amount uh, percentage of the time so I like the movie I think it's good I think it's really good uh, in a lot of ways but I do think that um, 
that one aspect, this this sort of muted stasis that the film stays in uh, emotionally, really do, did detract from it for me. And clearly, I, you know, I get, I get that that's not going to be the case for everybody, but that's kind of just how I saw it. The other thing, uh, the third thing, I guess, that was, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the performances or, or the story or the writing or anything, but I mentioned the de-aging. It looks great. Uh, it looks really fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously you go into it knowing that they're de-aging De Niro. You know how old De Niro is. So when you see a younger De Niro, you're not exactly looking for the seams and the visuals, but I don't know, you can just kind of tell that it's a person who's been altered and some of the facial expressions are, are a little muted therein. But, I, I you know, that didn't really bother me. I was able to kind of ignore that or skip over that. But what really did kind of stick out like a sore thumb there's one scene with De Niro uh, on the sidewalk and kind of like Samuel Jackson and Captain Marvel he's doing some physically exerting things and just the way his body moves the way he he's you know uh, shouldering the weight uh, of what he's doing it's absolutely apparent that this is you know an 80 year old guy trying you know this this is this is an 80 year old guy who looks 30 and it's it's laughable unfortunately you know i i hate to hate to say that i don't like that you know it's this kind of awkward moment within this huge epic that you know all the other quibbles you know are, are you know they they don't the, the what's on display you know is good it's just lacking something this is a this is one moment where it was like oh no what's on display is not good this is not good this is bad uh you know and and the worst is you know maybe this is true to the real story that that's being adapted but i think there's absolutely a way to to rewrite this scene and and hopefully possibly avoid you know uh kind of giving away what's what's really at play here with De Niro and, and the de-aging process. So definitely not flawless, uh, but I, I think there are some worthy critiques of, of the Irishman out there. On the other hand, though, it's it's just so much, I don't know, there's a lot of fun here. Like I said, Stephen Graham's character, uh, you know, Tony Pro is, is fantastic. I love his character. I love the way he interacts with Hoffa. Uh, we don't even get introduced to Hoffa, you know, until about a significant chunk of the time into the movie. And Pacino brings an, a little bit of life to the to the story and to the screen, and helps you know kind of catalyze uh, the, the the energy of the movie moving forward. You know, you've got Harvey Keitel and Bobby Cannavale, Ray Romano, Jesse Plemons, uh, Jack Houston, <coughs> Mayor. Uh, Marin Ireland, uh, Anna Paquin, all these just different supporting characters coming in and out of the film, and at, at you know when they need it, when they and, and you you also have this wrapper of you've got De Niro telling the story from like his his old folks' home of when he and uh, Pesci were going to a wedding, you know maybe. 15, 10, 15 years ago, and then 
that and then you go back to when he was younger and so you got a lot of different tiers of storytelling happening and despite all that i thought you know the editing and scorsese are able to really kind of keep that all tightly wound and so that you you really can follow the story from start to finish you really can uh keep keep up with you know where are we who's doing what what stage of this these lives are we in you know is De Niro completely a gangster at this point? Is he just a truck driver? You know, we, we follow him through this this very... I don't even think it's convoluted, but I, I think it's, it's presented with enough of a... enough discordance so that it, it seems a little bit more complex than it might actually be. I think you could absolutely tell the story linearly. And it comes across... You know, it's a good story. It's a good, you know, life to be told. But I think the editing gives it a little extra uh, uh, oomph and, and flair to making it more, uh, I don't know, maybe complex isn't the right word, but to making the film a little more more cinematic. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't think any. I, I don't think that the supporting cast. I don't know. I, I kind of just wish it was a joke when we watching the film. You know, Anna Paquin's character shows up. I don't know, two hours into the movie, give or take, and the first four or five times that you see her on screen, she doesn't say anything. Uh, there's even a point where she opens her mouth as if to speak and then shuts it again. And I don't know why that is. It was kind of funny. I don't know if it was intentionally funny or supposed to be a joke or, or what, you know, the what was going on behind the scenes as far as her character and the way she was written. But even, uh, you know, later on in the film, there's a scene, I think the last scene that we see her in, you know, there's an attempt to engage her in conversation by another character. And again, she just walks away. And so I think it's very purposeful that she doesn't say much. I think her relationship to De Niro, to Frank Sheeran, uh, is is one of silence. And I think there's a big part of the movie... Uh, especially in the ending, which I, you know, which I really liked the ending. I, I know my partner also enjoyed the ending uh, quite a bit. There's, there's a, you know, after, after you know, so much of these these dramatic and, and over the top moments that happen throughout the film, you know, these crime drama things that you know maybe haven't seen this exact way, but we've seen this type of stuff before. The film kind of ends in this much more grounded fashion, and uh, I really liked that decision, and I think Anna Paquin's character, and specifically, because um, she plays Peggy uh, Sheeran, specifically Peggy's relationship to Frank is is really what somehow, despite how very little uh, screen time they get and how very little dialogue she's given, it really emphasizes and showcases this character, Frank, and, and, you know, the journey that he has taken from when he was just a truck driver to, you know, kind of the end of his life and then where he's now reflecting back on all the choices that he made. Uh, so, 
you know, you get Harvey Keitel who has like one real scene in the whole movie and uh, Jesse Plemons and even going further down the list, you've get um, like Jennifer Morrison and uh, who else? Somebody else, I think. Um, but I cannot, maybe I'm not thinking of Jennifer Morrison. I was not thinking of Jennifer, I think of somebody else. Who am I thinking of? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Name escapes me. Uh, <clears throat> but all of that said, I, I think there's there's enough sort of comic relief within the film and uh, enough levity brought uh, between um, a character known known as Big Ears, as well as uh, Sally Bugs, is another you know funny character. There's a scene, or there's a conversation uh, involving fish in a car that is, you know, like five or seven, ten lines longer than it really needs to be, and yet it, it's just it's just a really funny. It, it helps juxtapose, you know, these these characters having this conversation with. De Niro's character with Frank, whose, you know, situation is, is very, very, very different from what this conversation, you know, leads you, leads you to believe is going on. And eventually Pacino's character joins this fish conversation. And, and it just, it's this one moment of kind of absurd uh, friction between what's being said and what we know is about to happen. And I think... You know, all these sorts of things. It is Scorsese using, you know, his many, many years of experience, his his mastery of this craft to tell such a compelling story over three and a half hours that, you know, it, you can't help but be impressed. You absolutely can't help but be impressed. So I'm a fan. I like The Irishman a lot. I, I don't count it as my you know one of my absolute favorites of the year i do not expect it even if i chose to rewatch it again or even upon more reflection to you know end up in my top five or even top 10 of this year but it is still a very good movie and i i think worth checking out now that said i think pesci gives the best performance uh, even even Stephen Graham absolutely steals the scenes he's in, but I don't know that his performance is really that good. He's one note. He's very, you know, playing a type. Whereas Pesci going against his type, uh, giving a more dramatic performance, uh, giving him giving us a more layered and complex performance, uh, is able to kind of set himself apart. I thought Pacino did a good job as Hoffa as well. He's given a little more emotional range, I think, than some of the others, but I did like Pesci's performance just a touch, just a bit more. So Pesci, currently a supporting performance nominee for me for this year. I don't know if he'll stay the whole time, uh, if he'll be there at the end, but he's got a shot at it, and I'm, I'm um, you know, I, I liked it. I thought he's good, and I... If he gets an Oscar nom, I think it's a warranted warranted one. The other thing that the Irishman currently slots in, at, in for is special effects for me. So that includes visuals, animation, film editing, cinematography. Cinematography is good. Film editing, great. 
and the visual effects, you know, except for <laughs> that one scene, which isn't really a fault of the visuals, it's more a fault of just what they're trying to accomplish, and, and maybe that kind of falls under the same category, but yeah, I mean, man, the the aging processes used in, in The Irishman are, are damn near flawless, uh, and from a visual standpoint, again, not necessarily from a you know, they don't make the person younger. They just make him look younger. And that's that they are very successful in. Uh, so very much a, a threat and contender in the special effects category uh, for me is uh, the Irishman. <clears throat> so that being said, uh, that's pretty much it for for this episode. I like I said, I'm not going to get into spoilers for this. You can go watch the movie. And it's on Netflix, so everyone has the capacity to do that. Uh, what I, um, the other episode, second episode coming out today, if not in a minute, but you know, in a couple of minutes, is going to be what would have been Friday's episode, maybe, uh, and that is uh, kind of a just a reflection, uh, reflectory episode about film. And in the vein of Thanksgiving, uh, you know, kind of reminiscing about what what I appreciate about movies and film and, and what they have, how they've influenced my life and other lives and, and uh, media and art and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if, if it sounds like it's going to be very much impromptu, uh, it will be. But I mean, that's every episode I do. So thank you for listening. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can find them on iTunes or Stitcher or most places where podcasts can be found, uh, including my website, circleoffilm.com. You can find all the old episodes and more over there. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can head over to uh, Letterboxd and find me at Circle of Film there. Or you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything, uh, anything you like. You can support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. Uh, tell somebody about it or just listen that is the the most valuable thing uh, but if you are so inclined you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film where for as little as eight cents an episode you can have early access to episodes that are released early some some of them are some of them are thank you for listening and as always have a week so long She'll never leave me Even as she fades from view So long, farewell I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left Or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever Only out of place So long, farewell Oh, what I'll be to say Wait a minute Wait a minute, Wait a minute. So long